0: Like all Mexican-Americans, we
1: go and come back, right? I'm Chronicle columnist Heather Knight, and you're listening to 5th in Mission. From building a border wall to separating undocumented families and threatening action against the so-called caravans of Central American migrants, the U.S.-Mexico border has been a major focus of the Trump administration. But for some American citizens, the border is simply a part of their day. They live on the Mexican side and wake up every morning to cross the border in order to get to school, work, and even to vote. On Election Day, producer Erica Carlos spent the morning at the border in Tecate, a small city about 30 miles east of Tijuana in Baja, California. You'll be hearing from American citizens about what it's like to cross the border on a daily basis, often braving early hours, long lines, and the coronavirus pandemic.
2: Go to the border on any given day, and you'll see Americans living cross-border lives, crossing into the United States in the morning and going back to Mexico at the end of the day. There's about a million and a half American citizens living in Mexico. The U.S. government doesn't necessarily track where they live, so it's hard to say how many people live along the border. But the community is there, weaving together the two nations. It's 4.30 a.m. on Election Day at the border in Tecate, Baja, California the border opens at
3: 5 a.m. Well, we've been here since 4 a.m. We have people who save our spots beforehand so that we can cross. Otherwise, we wouldn't be able to.
2: That's Miguel Ochoa. He is one of the first five people waiting in the line to walk across the border. He works six days a week at a restaurant kitchen and has to clock into work every day at 6 a.m., so crossing as soon as the border opens is crucial for him to be able to get there on time. I've been at the border since 4 a.m. as well. It's dark and cold, and it's already packed. There are about 100 people who are also waiting in line to cross the border by foot. Nearby, you can see cars lined up along two rows that sloped up a hill. Their engines are turned off, and their windows fogged up. Rosa Espinosa, who's wearing her pink scrubs under a large coat, is waiting in line to walk over with her husband.
0: I work at Brighton Place. It's a nursing home. I wake up at 3.30 in the morning, and we return at around 5.30 in the evening.
2: Commutes like Espinosa's are typical for Americans who cross the border every day, but the reasons why they're willing to sacrifice their time and sleep vary. Here's
0: Espinoza's. It's a decision we took many years ago. We were living on the U.S. side of the border, but our house burned down, so we returned over here because we also have a house on this side. So for now, it's about the comfort of being in our own home. And basically, because we like to live here in our own country.
2: And here's Miguel Ochoa. Mm
3: -hmm. More than anything, it's about the economy, so that we can do better and our money lasts. A home that would cost $1,500 a month, here you can pay for it for $300, $400, $500, or
0: $800. For example, here in Mexico, we no longer pay for our house, thank God. And in the United States, we would have to pay a lot for rent. I also spoke to Melanie Navarrete, who was crossing the border with her two children. I live in Tecate because my family has lived here for most of their lives, and it's much more economical than the United States.
2: Her kids go to school right across the border in Dulzora, and she works in Hamul, a small town closer to San Diego.
0: We wake up at 5 a.m. We're here 10 minutes before 6 a.m., Normally, the line takes about 20 to 30 minutes. We cross, go to the car, drop off my kids at school, and then it takes me another 40 minutes to get to my job. Tecate is one of three main entry points into California
2: from Baja California. It's much less busy than the two in Tijuana, but with only two lines for vehicles and one line for pedestrians, it's also the crossing with the least capacity. In response to the pandemic, daily crossing hours in Tecate were cut, Entry from Mexico into the United States now closes at 2 p.m. rather than 11. Southbound entry has not been affected, so people can get home as long as they get back to the border by 11. The change in crossing hours was meant to curb the amount of traffic at the border. Instead, it has done the opposite, making peak crossing hours more congested.
0: Here's what Melanie Navarrete had to say. The cross has impacted us a lot, primarily because of the time change. If the line was unpredictable before, now it is even more so. Sometimes we've even done two or three hours via car or two hours when walking over. So honestly, it takes away too much time, especially when you have kids. It's a huge frustration, not only for us, but for our kids. Besides the long hours at the border... The daily
2: commute puts people at risk of catching the coronavirus.
3: Yes, it does cause fear, even more so that you may bring it home.
2: Eduardo Solis doesn't have health insurance, so he does what he can to protect himself while waiting in the long lines.
3: I take the normal precautions. I wear a mask, use sanitizing gel, and clean my hands often. I get home and right away try to take off my clothes before entering.
2: For many, like Salvador Avila, These risks are simply part of daily cross-border life.
3: The fear will always be there, but the obligation to go to work to move the family forward is necessary.
2: Ultimately, most people I talked to doubted the restrictions at the border are actually helping curb the spread of the virus.
0: I don't think the restrictions make any improvements. From there, it just depends on each person, right?
3: If you catch it, you catch it.
0: Enrique
2: Serrano and his wife tested positive for the coronavirus earlier this year.
3: We already caught it. It was a bad flu-like sickness, and we spent almost a month and a half without being able to move.
2: Enrique Serrano believes that the border restrictions are just another effort from the Trump administration to limit immigration.
3: It's a way of violence from the authorities. It's as if they punish you by making the line slower, causing traffic, and making people late.
2: Serrano crossed the border at around seven. And he was on his way to the polls.
3: I have many things to do, but among them, I'm going to vote.
2: Miguel Ochoa, like most of the American citizens I interviewed for this episode, had already voted in this year's election.
3: I voted for Biden because we want to change. We want them to open the border at 3 in the morning and see if they can improve the lives of everyone here, us people who wake up early to go to work.
2: Despite the early hours, long lines, and risks associated with the coronavirus, Most people from the cross-border community will continue to make the journey every morning. Many hope that a Biden presidency will result in fewer changes and restrictions at the border. But for some, including Melanie Navarrete, the challenges are starting to outweigh the benefits, and change still seems too far away.
0: The long hours at the border has occasionally affected my job when having to call my supervisor to say I'm going to be late. And not only that, but having to wake up my kids much earlier because of how unpredictable the wait times are. So we've taken the decision to move to the United States so
1: that we can avoid these situations and stress in our lives. That was Erica Carlos reporting from Tecate, Mexico. After the break, Erica joins me to talk about life at the border for American citizens in Mexico. Erica Carlos, thanks so much for joining me.
2: Thank you so much for having
1: me, Heather. So that was a really interesting listen and wanted to get a little bit more information from you on on what prompted it. How did you get the idea to um, go to the border and record this episode in the first place?
2: Um, yeah, so this episode is actually um, one that hits pretty close to home for me. My parents have lived in Tecate for about 10 years now and regularly crossed the border to go to work. And when I was younger, I would also cross the border every day to go to high school in Spring Valley. So life on the border has kind of always been a topic that I've been interested in learning more about and documenting. Um, so in this time during the pandemic, I moved back to the San Diego area to be closer to my parents. So it's allowed me to be more vigilant about what's been going on. And so on the days leading up to election day, my mom mentioned that she was planning to cross the border so that she can cast her ballot in person. And I just knew she wasn't the only one. So that's kind of what gave me the idea to go to the border that morning
1: and report this episode. That's so cool. What was it like to grow up there and cross the border on a regular basis as a student?
2: Um, You know what? It was really hard. We would wake up at about 3 a.m. or 4 a.m. and try to get through the border by 7 a.m. so that my dad can be at his work by 8 a.m. and we can be at school at 9 a.m. and so yeah I don't know it's a lot of tired mornings
1: a lot of waiting I guess
2: yeah it's a lot of waiting around and I wasn't the only one obviously there was just a big community of people who did that in my high school Mm -hmm. um (laughs) y'all kind of were at school way too early and people were like why are you here it's so cold it's so dark and so yeah I don't know it was it was interesting being part of the community
1: yeah Well, I'm glad you thought to record this episode because it's really illuminating for people who don't live there. So um, what have you found in terms of the COVID rates? What are they like in the community among frequent crossers of the border?
2: Yeah, um, it's hard to say, but health experts have said that U.S. citizens who live in Mexico have contributed to a rising coronavirus cases in hospitals in the United States. And so those cases are not just from people who are crossing over frequently, but it's also retired people, military members, and all other American citizens who live in Mexico for different reasons. Um, and these people are ultimately more likely to travel, to get tested, and receive medical care in the U.S. than they are in Mexico. Hmm. But in general, there's this false assumption in some groups that American citizens are catching the virus in Mexico and bringing it and bringing it into the US but the reality is that the border is kind of this binational region and cross border communities are so entangled that, that you can't really pin down which neighboring city is more responsible for an increase in overall infection rates along the border mm-hmm. In terms of feeling safe at the border, I personally felt safe since I can easily kind of move around and get out of the line, but I was definitely worried about other people who didn't have that privilege and needed to stay in line in order to get to work or school on time.
1: Mm Were people in the line pretty spaced out or were they kind of crushed together like a a crowd?
2: Yeah, um, I will say that um, when I was there, border patrols were definitely not enforcing any meaningful social distancing protocols, at least in the line leading up to the port of entry gate. So there was definitely crowds around and people without masks, which could potentially spread the virus to more vulnerable groups. And like you heard in some of the interviews earlier, some frequent crossers reported having already caught the virus, either at work or elsewhere. And I Mm would definitely say that people Online are more at risk at probably catching the virus.
1: And you mentioned that you went to school um, and your parents worked crossing the border daily. And I was wondering if um, schools and bosses on the U.S. side tend to be understanding about lateness because I imagine, you know, it's hard to get an entire family where they need to be on time every day.
2: At least in my family's experience and the people I talked to, they really weren't understanding. Many workers may not even tell their bosses that they live in Mexico, and if they do, they're usually crossing over for jobs that aren't very secure or well paid. So there's always a very real fear that another long morning at the border will get you fired. As for students, at least when I was in high school, um, I personally didn't experience or witness any leniency for either being late to school or not being able to stay awake during your class or not turning in your homework from teachers. Um, There was a pretty large group of us, like I mentioned earlier, and I think a lot of teachers were aware of what was happening, um, but that definitely didn't keep them from enforcing the regular rules on us that they would on
1: other students. Wow, that's so interesting. And then lastly, I wanted to ask you, of course, um, the U.S. will get a new president on January 20th, assuming the old one leaves the White House. (laughs) But um, what do you think that a a Biden presidency will do about the will mean for the issues around the border, immigration and U.S.-Mexico relations, which have been pretty frayed under President Trump?
2: Yeah. Um, well, he's obviously made a lot of promises to immigrant communities, including giving the so-called dreamers under the DACA program protection from deportation. So I'm sure we're going to at least see some improvements in our US-Mexico relations. But I guess we'll see if he actually makes all of those sweeping immigration reforms that he's been promising. At the very least, if we're going to stop seeing the antagonism and scapegoating of Mexico that has been incessant under the Trump administration. So that's something. Um, as for the border, I'm actually very curious to to see what he does. I definitely don't expect Biden to put more restrictions on the border. But I also don't know if he would be willing to remove the current restrictions in place. Um, one of his main priorities is obviously to take more aggressive action against the Coronavirus. So removing the restrictions on the border may seem like he's doing the opposite of that, and actually reopening at a time when the rest of the country is shutting down. But again, these restrictions were put in place by the Trump administration. Trump has been trying to shut down the border for a long time now. And the pandemic kind of gave him a perfect excuse to do so. He wasn't able to fully shut it down because of how economically disastrous it would be to close the busiest international border, but the restrictions he did put in place very much had an American first slant that let him limit the flow of asylum seekers and immigrants with tourist visas. But as we've been seeing, these restrictions aren't really stopping the movement of people and the virus in a meaningful way. There's still a lot of traffic at the border and very little health protections for the people who are crossing. Um, what these restrictions have done is hurt the lives of the people and economies in these cross-border regions, as well as put more people at risk of catching and spreading the virus.
1: Hmm. That's really interesting. Well, thank you so much for joining me. It was um, really great to talk to you and hear more about this issue, which I didn't know much about at all.
2: Uh, Thank you, Heather.
1: Take care. Thank you to Erica Carlos for producing this episode, to Tatiana Sanchez and Kevin Moore for voicing the translations, and to you for listening.